He is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter, everybody. I'm Leslie. I'm Amanda. And we're here to get the service started for you. We are so glad you've joined us this morning and we have a really awesome service ahead of us. If this is one of your first times joining us, a special welcome to you. We are so glad that you're here. Um, definitely make sure to drop a comment in, on Facebook or YouTube, or you can send us an email at hello at cedarvalley.ca. We'd love to get to know you better. Um, so yeah, just let us know you're here. Sweet. And if you don't know, we do stream our services every Sunday at 10 o'clock. So even if you just watched for the first time today, you can keep watching with us week after week. Absolutely. And during the week, we've got some information that goes out. Um, so lots of ways to stay connected, to know what we're doing. You can follow us on Facebook or YouTube. Um, there's devotionals that are sent out every week. Um, there's lots of information in a weekly email that gets sent out as well. Um, so you can keep up to date with what's going on. And you can sign up for that at our website at cedarvalley.ca. Um, and we would love to stay connected with you in that way. Cool. So what does our service look like this morning, Leslie? We've got lots of stuff planned for you. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, we're gonna start off with a little presentation from our kids actually. So we sent them home, or they had an activity that they did last year, um, some 12 Easter eggs, and there's lots of different things inside. And before I like totally spoil it for you, um, they're gonna actually tell you a little bit more about what's inside all those eggs. Super cute, super fun. Yep. And then after that, our three pastors have teamed up for a three-part message with some discussion questions. So if you wanna interact with us, you can do that via Facebook or YouTube. Um, if you're watching on the church website, you don't have that option to comment. Yeah. Um, and after that, we're wrapping up the service with some really great worship from our worship team. Um, so there'll be lyrics on the screen for you and, you're and you can join in however you'd like. Um, and we'd love to participate with you in that. Yep, and so we're really set up for a great morning this morning, and we are so excited that you're with us. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, just do that in the chat. Um, we'd love to connect with you and pray with you. Absolutely. All right, well, happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. This is the donkey, they said. Who rode on the donkey? Jesus. And what did the people say? Hosanna, Hosanna. In my egg, there is a cup. And he said to his disciples, it's kind of like drinking my blood because he would die on the cross. Here's what's in my Easter egg, the silver coins. The silver coins represent when Judas betrayed Jesus and he paid, and he wanted 60, no, 30 silver coins. Judas was a pretender and he could get the people that wanted to kill Jesus close enough if they paid him 30 silver coins. It's a rooster, but it's not actually. We couldn't find a rooster, but we did find this. So Jesus said, uh, when the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And this is what is in my Easter egg. What's the garden called? God took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed. In my Easter egg, I have the whip. The guards, after Jesus was done praying in the garden, they captured him like as his prisoner. So then, and then they they whipped him and it hurt, it hurt Jesus so, so much. This is the cross where they, they built the cross and then they made Jesus carry it all the way to the hill. And then they put nails in his hands and feet crucified him and then he died for our sins. The spear. When the soldiers got there to make sure the three men were dead, they broke the legs of the two men. When they realized Jesus was dead, instead of breaking his legs, they um they they stabbed a spear in on his side, blood and water dripped out. Joseph put Jesus' body in the cross, wrapped him up 
to in the tomb and buried him. He put the white um, cloth at the end of the cot he was laying down on, and then there was nothing but the cloth. The stone. Suddenly, a great earthquake happened. The guards were so afraid, they faded. The angel pushed the stone from Jesus' grave. Well, this egg is empty. Nothing. Empty. What's in the egg? Nothing. Why? Because. Jesus was gone. The soldiers, I guess, were guarding it, and then the this bright light, and then this tomb opened up. No one's in it, and and the empty tomb is empty. Hey Cedar Valley, good morning. I want you to immerse yourself in this story. So imagine, you've grown up in one of the most affluent nations in the world. You're powerful. You joined the military and trained hard, learned some of the most advanced combat techniques of the day, worked with the most modern weapons, the most physical, rigorous demands on your body, on your training. You are a mighty soldier. And you're standing in defense of one of the strongest empires that has no threats and is thriving as cultural influence. You're unshakable, really. And you get assigned a really easy task because you see in this image that you're, you're into right now, for a while, where you've been posted, there's been some unrest. There's been this religious group and there's been this leader, this revolutionary leader stirring up the community with teachings and miracles and healings and wisdom. And it's, you've heard it, but it's all, it's rumors to you, right? It's all fictional stuff. And besides, it doesn't actually matter anymore. It's been dealt with. The authorities have caught up to this man. They've arrested him. They punished him. They executed him, crucified him. And now your job is to just guard the tomb to make sure nobody gets any more funny ideas. See, Jesus Christ was caught crucified and now to make sure his ministry was finished his tomb was sealed and there was a guard of soldiers placed in front of it we pick this story up in the gospel of matthew chapter 28 starting in verse 1 i'm going to read from that now after the sabbath towards the dawn of the first day of the week it's a sunday mary magdalene and the other mary went to see the tomb and behold there was a great earthquake for an angel of the lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it his appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They fainted. These powerful men who had every single thing backing them up in this earthly life didn't stand a chance, not even in the presence of God, but just of an angel of God. One of the angels who would say, don't worship me. I'm not worthy of it. They fell dead like they fainted. And this angel then would go on to explain that the tomb is empty, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and the women went off. So it picks the story up here in verse 11, chapter 28 still. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with elders, they devised a plan and gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you were to say his disciples came in the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, to your supervisor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Because this was a death sentence. You don't fall asleep on a watch like this. That's your job. And they promised that they'd make sure that they would keep them protected. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. Oh, what a bummer. See, the bottom line is this. These were powerful men in a thriving society. They had no reason to doubt, question, or explore any other worldview, any other philosophy. This religious group that was meeting up and stirring up in the community meant nothing because the Roman Empire was strong and powerful. And then with this confrontation of the angel and the empty grave, they were confronted with a worldview-shattering, complete life-shaking truth that everything that they knew that they had believed, their entire pantheon of gods, their way of life was wrong. And in fact, Jesus Christ was and is in fact the son of God. 
that there's a God, Yahweh, the creator of the universe, who is reaching out and interacting with the world, and the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. The tomb was empty, and the response is so disappointing. They would rather commit to what they had actually just known and commit into the lie. So this morning, myself and Pastor Doug and Pastor Rob are going through three different reactions and responses to encountering the empty grave, the empty tomb. And we're, the, this is the most exciting and important moment of the gospel that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He died for our sins and conquered death. And we're starting here with the guard's response. And man, it seems disappointing to reflect on this. Why would we start here on Easter Sunday? But it's something we need to learn from because it might be one of the most relatable human responses that we need to confront in our own lives. See, we default to the reality that we're comfortable with. We know what we know and we like what we know, right? We like to keep ourselves at the center and secure and comfortable. And we choose often intentionally to stay that way. We'll ignore other outside influences and factors and criticisms and accountability. Let me tell you exactly what I mean with a story here. When I was first learning to drive, I was in high school, had my end for about a year. And, uh, you know, I was... I had a car just powerful enough to get me into some trouble, but I figured I was, I was a master of driving already. I had all the experience I needed. I could have been a pro rally driver. I mean, me and my friends, like we knew more than everyone else on the road, right? Had a few cool cars. And one evening we were just out messing around in the neighborhood, kind of being a bit dumb. And I lost control of the car, skidded a bit, bam, smashed and had a crash. And I knew immediately. It wasn't my fault. It was their fault. Why would the car be there, right? What was going on? And my, I think my engine, the clutch kicked or something. I had excuses like crazy. I, my tires were too bald and I should have actually just put the tires with the grip on and none of this would have ever happened, right? Because I can't be that bad of a driver. I knew for sure it wasn't my fault. It's kind of bizarre that actually it often seems to be with driving stuff that we try to justify and defend ourselves over the truth that smacks us in the face, like a reality. I hit another car. That was my fault. And this happens all the time, not just with driving stuff, but we encounter things that challenge us to think differently, to see the world differently. And especially when it comes to God, the way God is interacting with the world differently than what we expect. And we sometimes intentionally choose to just ignore it because it's too difficult. Some of you might be here listening in and you might be in a place where you just don't have room for a creator God that loves you in this world, that their resurrection couldn't have happened, that you're skeptical of all of this. And that's fine. I'm so glad that you're here listening in on this. But I want you to actually take a question and look at your life. How often have you shut down the time that there's been conversations to make you think or consider? How many times have you seen a miraculous event and then justified it as a coincidence or a statistical anomaly? How many times do you end up avoiding relationships in your life because people push you into asking hard questions and trying to find the answers for it? How quick do you just defend what you know, you know, and you try to remove yourself? It's called confirmation bias. We do this all the time. We just keep stuff that fills what we know in our lives, and we don't actually let outside forces challenge us to think differently. But I want to make sure, because most of you who are here today probably have grown up in the faith, and you probably already know what's going on, and you believe in the resurrection. That's true. It's been part of your life. But that doesn't excuse you from ignoring this reality, this personality, character thing that we do as humans, where we deny truth. See... Some of you here probably already know all about the Bible stories. You've already known exactly what I've said, but I want you to ask yourself, how many times have you used statements in your life like God could never, or the Bible can't mean, the church shouldn't do fill in the blank. See, the amount of times like when I grew up in a church that wasn't overly encountering with spiritual uh, happenings, uh, I knew miracles existed and they happened, especially way in the past. And they happened in the Bible. Absolutely. I believed in that too, but they didn't really happen in modern day times until all of a sudden I started seeing things happen that I couldn't explain. I figured that God did talk to people at one point, but he doesn't actually do that now until I would hear audible, clear voices that instructed me to do things that no other person had ever done before in my life. And I had to start to recalibrate and reconsider what's going on. Have you ever found yourself dismissing God at work in a ministry or another church or a people group that you disagree with their lifestyle or you say stuff like God could never work with blah or somebody who's doing this? 
because often God ends up pushing us to consider different ways of life. And we can sometimes choose the lie, choose what we're comfortable with, choose what we think we already know what's normal and miss the way God is actually at work. See, the soldiers had an undeniable encounter with the gospel, with an empty tomb, the resurrected body of Christ, and it destabilized everything in their life that they had believed in. But they chose a lie because it was easier. They chose the payout. And so here's a question for you. You might not be getting a payout of silver coins, but what lie are you clinging to in your life that keeps you in comfort, that keeps you from experiencing the full resurrecting power of God in your life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, both his physical resurrection and the transforming transform and the transformational resurrection in your own life. You know, as the soldiers who were supposed to be guarding the tomb, as they were running away, there were a group of women who were heading towards it. You know, they may even have passed each other on the path going in the opposite direction. For in the Bible, in Mark chapter 16, it says, Early on Sunday morning, at sunrise, Mary, Joanna, Salome, and Mary Magdalene were on their way to the tomb. With burial spices, they had prepared to anoint the body of Jesus. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? Really, is there a, could there possibly be a worse walk in life than the first time to the grave of a loved one? But as these women shuffled along early in the morning in their sorrow, they were about to see what they could not believe. See, their main concern as they were making their way to the grave was this large stone that had been rolled over the, its, its entrance to seal the tomb. And the question that was foremost in their minds was, who are we going to get to roll this stone away? For it's too heavy for us to move. It's far too large. And as far as they knew, there was no one there who would help them. 
So how would they get access to tend the body of Jesus? They hadn't thought about that till now, and you could hardly blame them. But after a long day of mourning the day before, and probably another anguish-filled sleepless night, they could hardly be thinking of everything. And so they asked, what about the stone? And then God says, what about it? It's already been taken care of. The story continues. But when they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Isn't that just like God to already act before we even voice or express our need or concern? The stone was moved not to let Jesus out, but to let us in. See, the one thing that kept these women from really seeing who Jesus was and where he was, it was dealt with by God. And it's quite possible that in our lives there can be a, a stone-like obstruction that keeps us from really seeing Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, is it possible there's a, there's a stone-like obstruction in your life that's keeping you from seeing Jesus? Maybe the inability to, to trust God. And yet the, the God who has, who has ordained the sun to rise and to set every day, who keeps the planets in order, he is a trustworthy God. We're unknowingly, in a sense, trusting him to do that. What about, you may say, well, well my life, my past life, how could God accept me? Well, here's the deal. God died for your wrongdoing, so you won't have to. There's nothing that you could have done that isn't covered by the blood of Jesus and his love. He even forgave those who killed him on the cross. He said, God, forgive them. They just don't even understand what they're doing. And if he forgive, can forgive them, he can forgive you. We could say, well, I don't really need Jesus. I can do this on my own. We're amazing creatures, that's for sure, our ability to innovate, to create, to solve. But one of the things we are not able to do on our own is to get near God without Jesus. It is just beyond our ability. We were made for relationship with God, and Jesus provides that way to him. And then we continue through the Bible. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said. This was the thing that, even though they saw it, they had a hard time believing it. The angel told them, come and see where he isn't. For the women, seeing where Jesus wasn't, allowed them to see where he was. And that was not dead, but alive. See, and initially, this was just too much for them to comprehend. They were bewildered for sure. But then, we're told that they remembered that Jesus said it needed to be this way. He needed to live, to die, and be raised again to remove our sin to take our place. Then finally, they're told by the angel by the tomb, go tell his disciples. And quickly, they need to know, they need to hear this good news. And off they ran. You know, we'll discover that there's a lot of running in this story. For the disciples also are running, and you're about to hear from them in just a little bit. But before we do, take this moment to consider is there a stone-like obstacle in your life that is keeping you from seeing Jesus? And God is saying, I have already made provision to take care of that, to remove that, so that relationship with him may be restored. And what a glorious day to receive 
the stone rolling power of God in your life to be reunited with him through the work, the glorious work of Jesus Christ. The soldiers uh, dug into a lie. Two women discovered the empty tomb first, and then they ran to tell the others. These others, now 11 of them, had spent the last three and a half years eating and sleeping and walking with Jesus. They, they believed in him. They believed that he was the one who would set everything right. Then, then he was crucified. They'd heard Jesus talk about this time to come, but even as it was happening, I'm sure it was hard to believe it was happening. And we're talking about Jesus, after all, the one who calmed the raging sea by telling it to settle down. The one who fed and taught thousands on a hill, the one who raised his friend from the dead. They killed him. They killed him. What would they do now? This is how these two running women found the others. Peter and John took off like sprinters to see for themselves if it could be true, if the tomb was actually empty, if Jesus, like his friend Lazarus, was risen from the dead. Can you imagine the aching in them as they ran? They had bet their lives on Jesus. They walked away from whatever they were doing to follow him they placed their complete hope in him. And then he was gone. Where was he? They ran and they ran and they ran to find out. Which makes me wonder, who do I run to in my life? They got to the tomb. The stone had been rolled away, as Doug spoke about, and in the tomb they found strips of linen and the burial cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, but no body. What? Was, was Jesus alive? Well, they didn't have to wait very long to find out. That night, though they were behind locked doors because they were afraid that what happened to Jesus might happen to them, Jesus appeared to his friends. He just 
came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The tomb was empty because Jesus was alive. He let Thomas touch his wounds. He ate with his disciples on the beach and he restored Peter. Who do I run to in my life? This pandemic has caused many of us, including me, to feel anxious at different times. Here's what I know though. Whenever I have run to Jesus in prayer, he has given me peace because he's alive. Or as we say on Easter weekend, he is risen. To which at home you might even say, he is risen indeed. So here's my question. Who do you run to in your life? When you're feeling anxious or hopeless or maybe even just plain angry, for instance, a trusted friend, a loving family member, like that's awesome. But may I suggest you add Jesus to your list and maybe even make him your first go-to because he adores you, knows everything, has literally a universe of resources at his disposal to help you. And he, and he sees you always in all of your states and he knows them. He's lived many of them. He is able to hold your anxiety, your hopelessness, and your anger, and he's able to heal it. The tomb was empty. He, he is alive, and he has turned to you and to me in love, waiting for us to run to him. Have a joyous Easter, Cedar Valley. Morning Cedar Valley, welcome, welcome to church. We're out here on Griner Park. We miss you here this morning. Um, wish we could be doing this together. Uh, just wanna to join together worshiping this morning, uh, just the resurrection of our wonderful savior, Jesus. Thanks for joining us. Fulfill. 
darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose.